0: so I've got good news and bad news. The good news is, John, Pastor John and I, we are over prepared for today's message. That's also the bad news. That's right. We are over prepared for Luke chapter 5. We are motoring, motoring through the book of Luke, I say. In Luke chapter 5, fresh off of chapter 4. At least I remembered we're in Luke today, right? So this, uh, message we're terming two hearts. We're calling it two hearts. Because in this passage we see uh, the heart of Peter and we see the heart of Jesus, really. And then throughout uh, the gospel of Luke, there's another heart present that's in other people as well. And last week I did this thing where uh, I did a, a help wanted. We needed a Messiah for ordinary people. Well, it's, it's role reversal today, so it's help wanted. Fishers needed for sinful people work from home, must be selfless and willing to die for a cause just like the Messiah, special powers will be provided, miracle worker not needed, teaching ability accepted but not essential, must love all people, fulfill responsibilities through current employment and lifestyle, apply at (laughs) heavenhelpwanted.com. That's pretty good. I like that. Thank you, John. Thank you. (laughs) At least there's somebody on my side this morning. At least somebody. Okay, in Luke chapter 4, this whole situation is set up by Jesus when he goes into that synagogue in Nazareth and he rolls the scroll out and he reads from Isaiah and he says this. It's his manifesto. It's his declaration of intent. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came and said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they kind of went wild after that there in in Nazareth. But that was put at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke by Luke so that we could understand that not only was, not only was Luke writing this orderly account to his buddy Theophilus, but that he, but that Jesus, his kingdom would be all about the other. It would be all about the poor. It would be all about the outcast. And Jesus' kingdom was an outward-focused kingdom, not an inward-focused kingdom. What do you think, John? I'm going to toss it over to you at this point. Yeah, and it's been
1: really fun for us, the four of us pastoral staff, as we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke together, just even in the office to talk and reflect about all that Luke is doing to help us see, to get a grasp of who Jesus is and who the King is and what His kingdom is like. And that declaration that you just read from Luke chapter 4, it's fascinating to watch how Luke then plays that out and people's reactions to it uh, throughout the rest of his gospel, especially from Luke 4 to Luke 9. And you touched on how this, the city of Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, so to speak, I and mean, he was born in Bethlehem but grew up in Nazareth, and when he announces from this scroll on Isaiah that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And it's this declaration that, that he's the Messiah, that he is here to come. The people, uh, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath, and they chased him out of the town. This is followed right up with Luke as he then goes, Jesus then goes to Capernaum. And as he's... Uh, reading and preaching in the synagogue, Luke records for us how this man who's demonized, who has an unclean spirit within him, and that spirit also cries out in Jesus' presence, you know, what have you to do with us? And in a sense saying to Jesus, leave, depart, we don't want you here. And just as the Nazarites declare, Jesus, get out of here. So this demon-possessed man says the same thing too. He shouts out in his presence. You'd even kind of use this voice last week when you were talking about it, about, you know, uh, leave us. We don't want you and what you're bringing. And then how Luke records a couple of events here where he heals some people. In fact, he goes in Simon Peter's house and he, uh, Jesus uh, heals his uh, mother-in-law. And then Jesus declares that that he must go to other places to preach the good news of the kingdom. And then we have this chapter 5, where we have another encounter where someone cries out to Jesus, depart from me. It's kind of like the third person uh, in line. But this time it's different, as we'll see as we'll read through this passage, that there's something going on in the heart of this one that Jesus perceives and Jesus then initiates something new with him. But it's just fascinating how Luke is walking us through his entire work. You know, Luke's doing more than telling us what's happening. He's not just giving us kind of like this blow-by-blow play, then Jesus went here and then Jesus went there. But Luke is very purposefully selecting things from the life of Jesus that he packages guided by the Spirit of God to say something to us unique about Jesus and his kingdom that as we read through it and begin to see all these linkages, it's really been fun for us as a staff to reflect on that together and try to hear more clearly, as clearly as we can, what God is trying to say through us through Luke in this book here. So how about if we read that passage Let me borrow, actually, your Bible. You've got the version that's up on the screen. So if you do have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 5, and let's read 1 through 11 to kind of see this next picture, this next event that Luke has for us on the horizon as he records it here. So verse 1 begins. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, go away from me, right? There's the same, the third reference to someone saying something to Jesus. Go away from me, but it's different. He says, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That's a great passion that Jesus gives that reveals uh, the heart, not only the heart of Jesus, but also the heart of Peter as well.
0: Yeah. It's my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. okay. We're so (laughs) overprepared. There's so much, you know, we read through it, and it just goes fast, right? Oh, we've heard this before, and you get to the end of it. There's so much stuff in this passage. And John just just talked about how Luke decides what to put in, and he also decides what to keep out. You remember what John said at the end of his gospel? Not you, but the Apostle John. He said, you know, I I can't put everything in that Jesus did. I mean, the, the whole world couldn't contain the scrolls if I were to tell everything that Jesus did. But Luke decides to tell just this stuff. Just this stuff. And, and so the, the way it starts, I like the way it starts. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake. So Luke's going to tell us about one day. One day when Peter caught more fish than Peter had ever caught in his life. And we think about the heart of Peter. Peter. The heart of Peter is revealed in this scenario. Now, imagine somebody who could come along, especially if you're a business person. This is great if you're a business person. Somebody would come along and would just 10x your business overnight. I mean, in just a minute. Well, not a minute. I suppose it took him a few minutes to get out there and to drop the nets. So Peter's heart is revealed. Hey, we've been doing this all night, but because you tell me, Lord, we'll, we'll do it again. So there his heart is revealed. He, he's not ha- he has no expectation that there's going to be anything good, but he likes Jesus. Maybe, probably, he probably doesn't love him yet, but he likes him and he respects him. And he decides he's going to do it just because he said so. And then, when they got the hall, hey, Jesus, <laughs> hey, there's this little contract here. Why don't you sign this and we'll go into business together? You and me, baby, we'll go out on the lake every day, maybe, maybe every <laughs> hour. We'll fill these boats to overflowing, and we're going to make a lot of cheddar. We're going to be rolling in it. Now, if he had, ching 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 if he had money signs in his eyes, Jesus is a cash cow. He, I, I guarantee you, you can ask Peter when you get there. I guarantee you, I promise you, I promise you, He had never seen that many fish in a catch before. Not where two boats are starting to sink. I mean, he could catch fish, but these things were jumping over themselves to get into the net. And the boats were sinking. He'd never seen that kind of a take before. So his heart is revealed. What does he say? He says, Jesus, get away from me. I'll tarnish your image. You don't want to be around me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. So, Peter's heart is revealed. But Jesus' heart is also revealed. Do you want to talk about Jesus' heart? Yeah, so his response to, to what Simon
1: says is also fascinating in this little account that Luke is putting together for us. Because when he sees Peter fall at his knees, right, and declare that he is a sinful man, not worthy to be in the presence of the Lord, Jesus speaks over him these words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And whether he's fearful of Jesus and the power that is displayed or fearful of Jesus because he recognizes that that he himself is an impure man and Jesus is, you know, a holy figure, um, there's some measure of fear that is that Jesus sees revealed also in this this, this humble expression, Lord, depart from me, leave me, because I don't deserve to be in your presence. And Jesus simply speaks these words, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And then he says to him, from now on, you will be uh, catching men, you will be a fisher of men. And Jesus, in a word, changes Peter's whole reality. And in, and in fact, it's not mentioned here, but Luke then carries on in the stories that follow that begins to unfold for us just what this king is like and what his kingdom is like. Because after this little episode, then Jesus meets a leper who also falls at his face before Jesus. Right? Also falls to Jesus's knees and says lord if you're willing make me clean and jesus reaches out and he makes him clean and then the next story is about a paralytic that jesus heals and over that man we'll see in uh, next week that jesus speaks over him man your sins are forgiven so this is the same jesus who was speaking over over peter don't be afraid and the kind of kingdom, the kind of king that Jesus is in this kingdom, this one who comes to proclaim good news to the poor, who uh, sets the captive free, who brings sight to the blind in this passage from Isaiah, who uh, proclaims the year of the Lord's favor, um, speaks over this heart, this, this very Sinful man, this, you know, not like uh, the, uh, the Apostle Peter that we envision at the pearly gate, you know, where everything's perfect and right, but a very fallible and uh, broken man. Jesus speaks over these words of, of life and dramatically changes now the rest of his life. From now on, Peter, things are going to be different. You're with me now. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful picture of what the Lord does for him.
0: Yeah, and I pulled out the Greek New Testament and I showed it to John. It says, from now on, literally means from now on. From now on, starting from then, from now. From this point. Yeah, forward, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And then it says, they left everything and they followed him. So the interesting thing about Peter, at that point, Jesus called him. He began to follow Jesus. I think, I think that in Peter we can take great hope for ourselves. I mean, how many of you feel qualified to follow Jesus and to serve Him and to be His partner? I mean, I don't really feel qualified. And Peter didn't. Peter said, get away from me, for I'm a sinful man. But then Jesus, it was like, He just like looked right past that statement. He looked right past it. He said, no, no, uh, don't be afraid, Peter. No, you're, you're going to work with me. You're just the type of sinful man that my kingdom is looking for. You're just, the t- you're just that sinful. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're just that type of a guy that my kingdom is looking for. But then Peter, Peter goes on and Peter says, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? And Jesus has to tell him, Peter, 70 times seven. Peter, I remember Peter said, um, uh, what did he say about, uh, Jesus said, it doesn't matter to you uh, what happens with John. Don't, don't you worry about what happens to John. What was it that Peter said? Something dumb. Do you remember? Do you remember? It's, uh, what happens to John is up to me and John.
1: Yeah, right, but so, you follow me.
0: Yeah, but, if I let John
1: stay alive till I come, right? Right. You come follow me. Yeah,
0: So, so Peter had to be told. Peter was Peter was going in different directions. In fact, I made a little list of the things that that Peter did. Where is that list? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus had to say to him, get behind me, Satan. That's a good guy, right? How would you like Jesus to have to say that to you when you're his partner? He had to talk about the 70 times 7. He couldn't even stay awake in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus went off to pray. He comes back and he's sleeping. Then he pulls out his sword and he cuts the guy's ear off. And then he says to Jesus, Hey, uh, though all might betray you or walk away from you, I never will. And he denies Jesus three times. So while Jesus is standing being accused and being tormented and suffering, Peter's over here by the fire cursing and swearing because a girl says, Hey, you sound, you sound like him. You sound like a Galilean. You're one of his followers. And there there Peter stands, and it says, And the Lord turned and looked on Peter. In Luke 22, it'll say that. And Peter went out. Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And he went out and wept bitterly. That's Peter. That's the guy. He was with Jesus the whole time. He was with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He heard the teachings, the red letters dripping right out of his mouth. Jesus, right? He was speaking the red letters to Peter. What does Peter do? He denies him. Proclaim good news to the poor. Peter is one of the poor. Are Amen. you? I am. I'm one of the poor. Peter was one of the poor. But then, um, what book are we in again? Luke. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, what was it sector. in Luke? And in, in, in Luke wrote Acts, and then in Acts chapter 2, something, there was something. What was it? Acts chapter 2? It was... was the coming of the Spirit of God. Oh, that's right. That's right. The coming of the Spirit. So then something happened with Peter. Yeah, so
1: there's this dramatic picture, right, where Peter stands up after the Spirit falls, and he proclaims this, this message of who Jesus was and there Peter really has he's a fisherman right because just like here in chapter 5 where this huge cat catch that began to sink the boats right in one day 3,000 people 3,000 men uh, come to be followers of Jesus and it's a, there Jesus is a, has revealed that Peter really is a fisher of men
0: but then even after that Paul has to rebuke him in Galatians, Mm -hmm. right? Paul has to say, Peter, how come when your Jewish friends come along, all of a sudden you don't want to spend time with the Gentiles anymore? And and, and Paul says, and I opposed him to his face. So now let me ask you, are you okay to serve God? You, You and I can't be any worse than Peter, right? I mean, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. You and I can't be any worse than him. So we're qualified. In fact, we're we're exactly that kind of unqualified person that God will use. That God's going to use. And uh, John, you talked about uh, when we were looking through this, um, what what is our church going to be right in a year, in two, in five years down the road? And you think that this passage speaks to that.
1: Yes, so... Like you said, Peter uh, is just the kind of man that Jesus was looking for. And even as you mentioned, you know, that I, I am the poor. He doesn't say it. He doesn't use those words, but his heart is reflected. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus sees what's going on in his heart, and he declares those words, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And at the heart of this call of to be a disciple, to be an apprentice to Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, is this reality that God changes everything. He changes our, our values. He changes our focus. He changes our mission. That Peter is still a, a fisherman, so to speak, but he's not after fish anymore. That what he's really after is after people, men and women, and boys and girls. And right here, right at the first call of someone to come follow Jesus is this awareness, of what, what we are about, if anything, as a follower of Jesus is be people who would fish for others. I, I tell you, that is a real challenge even for me. I mean, you would think, right here, you know, professionally, vocationally, we're pastors and we live at the church Sometimes it feels like we do, right? We're here and this is what we're about. But in the midst of programs and keeping things going, it's very, very easy even for me, for us to forget that what we are about is seeing people who are on the outside, right? The poor, Um, those who are in captivity, those who are, are blind, those who are bound, those who are on the outside. And if anything, we should be about people whose hearts like this call, right? From now on, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. You will be about catching men and women and boys and girls. And that, that's a real challenge for me personally. It's easy to forget that in the midst of all the quote-unquote religious activity to be about uh, the good news, to people who are lost and blind and bound. And for us as a community, you know, to not forget that in all that we do, that we would be like Jesus to proclaim the good news to the poor, those who are like you and who are like me before we found the Lord. And the hope and joy that you and I have found in him we have the we have the joy, we have the calling that we would take that up and, uh, like Peter, like very fallible and broken Peter, become fishers of men. And praise the Lord, God uses even a man like him, he can use us too, right? That's good news.
0: So you said uh, this fishers of men thing. Um, he changed, you affected my thinking on this passage this week. This the difference between an inward-focused church and an outward-focused church. Inward and outward. It's pretty obvious that when we talked about Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people, right, came to faith in the Messiah that day. What if they just kept to themselves? What if those 3,000 kind of, well, some of them had to go back home, right, because they were there for a, for a feast festival week. But let's say they went back home, but, but they just pretty much kept to themselves. They maybe may, may gathered of several around them, and they kept this Jesus club going on. Thank God they didn't or none of us would know about Jesus. They were, they were a, a missionary group of people back in Acts chapter 2. And the spread of the church throughout the book of Acts, it, it, doesn't, it never stops. We're a group of people here. And for us to think, oh, we're okay right here with, with us and we're good, and we don't have to worry about anybody else, that's anti-biblical, right? That's unbiblical. That's against the heart of the one who says, my mission, my manifesto is to proclaim good news to the poor. That's our mission. That's our reason for existing. So as we go through Luke, John and I have talked about this, we're realizing we have to decide what kind of a church we're going to be. Because we're big enough that we don't, we don't need any more people to come in the doors. We'd be okay if nobody did. But is it true, is it true that the most important person is the one who's not here yet? Isn't that the nature? Isn't that the DNA of this thing called the body of Christ? That it has to go out, it has to proclaim, and it's a proclaiming, proclaiming entity. It's a proclaiming essence. That's part of who we are. We proclaim good news to the poor. We have to go out and we have to find the poor. Not just financially, but the poor. The poor without Christ. People without Christ are poor in every way. That's our responsibility. And we're not going to be able to sit and rest as long as there's a lot of people. And that's what you talked about. We're gonna, As we're going through this, we've got to decide what kind of a church we're going to be in six months, in 12 months, in two years, in five years. We have to be an outward-focused church. That's the manifesto of the king. That's his whole thing. It's his whole thing. But in the club, we can read it and not even see it. We have to see it. We have to see it for the people who are not in the body of Christ yet. So John, you uh, give the parting shot and the closing blessing because I'm too riled up.
1: (laughs) That was a beautiful summary of where this passage goes. And there is a danger here too because there were two groups previous to Peter's depart from me that are uncovered here as well. That there was the group who should have received Jesus who should have clued in to what was going on but their reaction when they heard these things it says all there in the group were filled with wrath and they drove Jesus out of their midst and there is this parallel between them and that very demonic attitude of Jesus who are you and we don't want you here and you know, my prayer for my own heart is, Lord, if there is anything in me that is resisting you, that's saying to you, Lord, that I don't want, that part of your kingdom I don't want, uh, Spirit of the Lord, come and reveal it and remove it. Help me, like Peter, to fall at your feet and say, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But then to hear the words of Jesus to us in this challenge, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, I'm going to do something wonderful in you and in your midst, and you will become, you will be a fisher of men. And uh, I tell you, that that transforms everything. Because while Peter... I mean, physically left his profession, right? He left the boats. He left the nets. There he left his father and all the rest of the brothers probably in crew behind um, us. You know, um, that God would change us in the midst of our daily life. That my work doesn't become about work any longer, but that my work becomes a place through which in that setting... I live out this call to be a fisher of men, to not be afraid to be a fisher of men and women and boys and girls in the neighborhood in which I live. And my family, my larger extended family, whatever the situation that I find, we find ourselves living in, that we would be this kind of man, this kind of person to possess this kind of heart that is both revealed in Jesus and then that Jesus works into this man Peter it's a great call for me it's a great call for us together so let's pray so Father we do um, we come and fall at your feet together as a body we recognize Lord our own uh, brokenness and woundedness and warpedness Lord we are all In some way or another, a mess just like Peter was. But Lord, you come with such love and such presence and you speak a word of be clean and you speak a word of your sins are forgiven and you come and you give us your spirit and you change us and transform us and place before us this kingdom-sized vision of being men and women and even boys and girls who are about you and your mission and your business. Father, as best we can, we come as a church body and with open hands before you say, come Holy Spirit and uh, speak your word over us. And give us eyes to see. Forgive us when our eyes become blind or when we become very inward-focused. Jesus, you stepped right into Peter's boat. You knew exactly what you were doing. And So we would say, Jesus, come and step into this boat and call us afresh to be fishers of people, men and women and boys and girls and give us a new heart and a new calling today. And Lord, as a church body, we would pray for those that are still on the outside. We would pray for Newton and for Baxter and for Monroe and for the other areas around us. Lord, we would pray even beyond that uh, you would help us wherever we're placed like Peter, to become fishers of men. Lord, we say again that we love you, and uh, we invite you to do your good work in us. For Jesus, we pray this in your great name. Amen.